Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Saturday, October the 1st of the year 2022. I am the host. I am the teacher. I am the founder of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, Dr. Kamala D. And I hope this day finds you and your family well. Tomorrow is the birthday of one of my siblings. Yes, I'm not going to uh, throw that out there today. I don't think they're listening right now anyway. They may hear this episode uh, maybe somewhere down the line, but you know who you are. I have already sent you a happy birthday wish. Love you. Now, we are picking up where we left off. We are rightly dividing the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossae. Hallelujah. We are in chapter 2. And we left off at verse 8 last episode. And that is where we are going to pick up at. Now, the changes that I've made, I have switched to the New King James Version. Because we are getting ready to go into some deep waters. And I'm telling you, we are going to expose a lot of false teachers. And as we have been doing so far, a lot of false teachers who is delivering false information about who Jesus is. Now, as I have explained at the beginning of this series, is that Gnostics entered the church in Colossae and started sharing false information. They were telling these people, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that they needed more than just Christ. That They needed to uh, do things in the body. They needed to do more things in the body. Uh, They had a select group of people that knowledge was being given to, preferably women, a group of women that uh, were listening to angels. They were worshiping angels. Now, these were not uh, God's angels. These were fallen angels. So they were demonic angels. That is who these false teachers were listening to. Well, that is who they claim they are listening to. I doubt if they were listening to anyone other than themselves. And the Apostle Paul makes that clear in this episode as we continue to read and we will close out chapter two today. And probably next week, we will start on chapter three and then the following week close out this episode or, or shall I say this mini series about the epistle that Paul wrote to the Colossians. Now I have the New King James Bible and I have electronic Bible so I can switch back and forth when I when I feel the need. And one of the reasons, because someone asked me why do I change versions, is because we have a lot of versions of the original text out there. Now the original text 
in the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and it was also written in Latin and Arabic. And some of the versions are cl very close to the original text and some of them are not. They are good versions because I'm not going to read to you a version that's not good. But sometimes just to make sure the message is clear, I mean crystal clear, I will switch to the version that is closest to the original text. Now, the New Testament is uh, basically written in Greek. So whichever version is written uh, close to the original text, that's the version that I will read. So with that said, I have the New King James Version as we pick up in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Colossians. And it doesn't matter which version you have because we will end up in the same place. I will rightly divide these scriptures and I prefer to use the, the New King James Version in this episode. So with that said, I am reading verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit or either vain deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Verse nine, for in him, him who Christ dwells all and all leaves out nothing, saints, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, and you are complete in him. Him who? Christ. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now, I want you to remember that the Gnostics were telling the Christians, the new converts in Colossae, that they needed more. They needed to focus on the body more. They needed to uh, uh, eat certain things. They couldn't eat certain things. They had to do this. They had to do that. And Paul was reminding them that they are complete in Christ. They have liberty in Christ. And let me pick up at verse 11. 11 says, in him, in him who, Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through the faith in, I'm sorry, let me read that again, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him, him who Christ, from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses, and that's referring to us as well, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, he who God has made alive together with him, Christ, having forgiven you all. I want you to say all to yourself right now, because all leaves out nothing. Having forgiven you all trespasses. No matter what you have done in life, you have, be, have been forgiven all trespasses. Verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he, he who Christ has taken it out of the way, 
having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Verse 16, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbath. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance, the tangibility, everything that's solid is of Christ. Verse 18, let no one cheat you of your reward. Let no one cheat you of your reward or deceive you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Remember, I told you the Gnostics were worshiping angels and not God. Intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Talking about the false teachers. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Verse 20, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Verse 21, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Verse 22, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Doctrine simply means teachings. So Paul is saying according to the commandments and the teachings of men. And finally, verse 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom. The focus and emphasis is on appearance. The doctrines and teachings of men has an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Now, I am getting ready to put all of this together, saints. I am going to summarize everything that the Apostle Paul just said from verses 8 all the way to verse 23. Now, this section ties Paul to the Colossians. Uh, it, it identifies his, his tribulation with their faith and encourages them to continue on the same path on which they have begun so well. Now, this threat concerned two major things that Paul was telling the Colossians. It was a threat against salvation. It was a threat against these false teachings. Now, the first is, number one, the doctrine of salvation, the person and work of Christ specifically related to the cross, and number two, sanctification, the application of the cross to, de to the development of personal purity. Now, I'm getting ready to summarize verses 8 through 19 for you guys. Now, a general belief in Paul's time was that spiritual beings frequently associated with planets and stars controlled every man's future. Now, this ancient astrology 
coupled with the ideas that uh, secret knowledge enabled man to control the power of these things. It seems to have formed a basic element in the false teachings in Colossae. Now, astrology, secret knowledge, and strange regulations all promised a super Christian life. But Paul wrote that this was deceptive. Yeah, because it was. Now, the attack of the heretics struck at the heart of the Christian faith. It was a direct attack on the doctrine of salvation. Now, so in these scriptures, Paul addresses two concerns. Number one, the worship of angels. And number two, the practice of the law, the Mosaic law. Okay, the laws that Jesus himself gave Moses to give to the children of Israel, not to pagans and 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 not to Gentiles, which is who we are. We are Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles are any people that are not Jews. Okay, now the nature of this threat in verse eight, Paul saw the heresy as a planned organized attack against what God has revealed through his prophets and apostles. The false teaching made inroads at Colossae through what Paul calls hollow and, and deceptive philosophy. Paul states three characteristics about this philosophy. Together, these provide a standard of measurement, not only for the Colossians, but for us as well. Number one, the philosophy was human-based. Okay, basically the false teaching represented man's attempt to arrive at the truth apart from God's help. Paul explains that it depends on human tradition. That's what they were teaching, their own philosophy. It had nothing to do with God. When people try to understand things from a human perspective, from a carnal mind perspective, they come up with things outside of Christ. Number two, the philosophy was viewed as coming from the, the elementary principles of the universe. Now, Paul may have been referring to angelic powers, which were incorrectly perceived as being an authority over the world. Whatever the specific interpretation saints, Paul's point is that the elements were inferior to Christ. Now, the philosophy was non-Christian. The philosophy that these uh, Gnostics were teaching were non-Christian. Now, this characteristic perhaps points to the heart of, of the danger that Paul was talking about. The philosophy was not according to Christ. They were not telling them that they needed only Christ, which is all we need. We don't need anything, anything else. And that's why I love Colossians so much the epistle that Paul wrote to the Colossians, because it clarifies who Christ is, why he died, and that we are completing him and we don't need anything else. Now, the Colossian Christians were being confronted with a heresy that threatened two major things of the Christian faith. The first is the doctrine of salvation. And that was a threat against salvation and the person and work of Christ. Now, in this epistle to the Colossians, Paul offers a defense against this false teaching. Paul says this, when God entered into the world in the, uh, uh, let's say, the incarnation of Christ, it was the whole of himself that he was pleased to give to us the whole of himself. Now, these new teachers and the ones we have today 
imagine that the fullness of the divine essence is distributed among a whole crowd of beings, you know, divine and, and, and semi-divine. Now, this is a fundamental error, saints. Y'all need to understand this. That's, as, that's why these scriptures must be rightly divided. Everything about God, everything of God that can be known by man was seen and understood in the human bodily life and person of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Okay, not just our Lord. He is the only Lord. The Bible says he is Lord of Lords and he is King of Kings. Now, whenever we touch him, we touch the reality of God, the whole reality of God. Now, when Paul talked about verses nine and 15 to answer the teachings of the heretics, Paul now focuses on the person and work of Christ. He relates the work of Christ to both the, uh, uh, the supernatural powers and the law. Uh, Jesus is, is sufficient as savior. What Paul was trying to explain to them through verses nine and 15, Paul emphasizes Jesus's work in relation to the law and his dominion over other spiritual beings. Now, Jesus is completely God. We, we don't need to misunderstand that. See, the problem is people can't conceive that God would come to earth in human flesh because flesh is sinful. And that's what the Gnostics uh, believed, that because the flesh is so sinful, that why would a holy God put on flesh and come down here? Well, if you think about that from your own personal understanding, you wouldn't be able to understand it. But when you think about it from a spiritual point, which is what I mentioned in episode one, that this is not for people who are not born again. If you are born again, you understand this completely. You look at the work of Christ and you compare everybody, all these other false Christ who came, who, who look, who just popped up from nowhere. And you look at what they did versus what Christ did. Christ, the Bible says Christ never sinned. He was in a sinful fleshly body, but he never sinned because a sinner can't save another sinner. And you want, you won't and can't find anybody that can show you a scripture where Christ sinned. Everything Christ did was righteous, but he did it for us. He kept the whole laws for us. He did everything, the requirements on the wall, the, the dietary laws, uh, the Sabbaths and the festivals. He kept all of that so that we didn't have to. Okay, now Jesus is completely God in the flesh and we need to get that. And Paul was trying to make that clear in verses nine through 15, uh, especially, well, let's say verses eight through 15, Paul argues for the deity of Christ by stating that for in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. All the fullness, all leaves out nothing. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it dwells in Christ. Now, this is Paul's way of saying that Jesus is fully God. Case closed. Just as the Father and the Spirit are fully God. Now, Paul informs the Colossians that, that they are complete in Christ. I keep putting emphasis on that. We are complete in Christ. This applies to us as well, saints. Now, although the blessings of salvation may increase, in Christ, they have the fullness of God. 
There is no need to be concerned about other spiritual beings or powers. You cannot worship angels. Okay, saints. Yes. Yeah, silence for reflection. We can't worship angels. Angels are not meant to be worshiped. And let me tell you something. A real angel will not let you worship him. He'll direct you straight to Christ. Absolutely. And then Paul says to describe the absolute adequacy of what Christ brings to the Colossian Christian. Paul uses the, uh, the, the, the figures of circumcision and, and baptism. He's talking about water baptism. Now, when Paul was talking about circum circumcision, we have to remember the Colossians were Gentiles. Yes, they were former pagan worshipers. They were non-Jews. Now, it is unknown, but I, 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 I presume that they may have had some Jews that were in that church as well because they tried to, to introduce legalism to the church in Colossae too. They had not been circumcised uh, physically, talking about the Colossians, but Paul describes their experience of conversion as circumcision. Their conversion in Christ, he, he, he actually describes that experience as, as a uh, version of circumcision. Now, in this experience, they had put off the sinful nature that stood for the old life of rebellion against God. Now, now when they became Christians, just like we, the Colossians were freed from the power of rebellion that enslaved their lives. Now, baptism, water baptism, the Colossians, of course, had been baptized. Paul equates Christian baptism with dying and being buried. Christ died and was buried in a tomb, we died and, and are buried with him uh, in, in, in a grave, which is called water baptism. Now, this means that there is a, a, a radical dividing line between what the Christian now is and what he, what Christ, or let's say the Christians used to be, because Christ was always holy. What the Christians used to be. He not only died, but is also raised with Christ. I often tell you guys, water baptism, we are not saved by water baptism. We are saved by our confession and belief in our heart about Christ. Water baptism is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So Paul was reminding the Colossians that they, they died with Christ in water baptism, and they were buried with him in water baptism. And they were raised out of the water with Christ in water baptism. So with that, they became new creatures. Absolutely symbolic. Now your physical body, body doesn't change. Forgive me, saints. I get, my mouth has gotten dry. Let me drink some water here. Your physical body doesn't change. Because we all know once you, you go down in the water and come up, you are still, your body, you still have that same scar on your body. You still have that same pimple in your face and nothing has changed. We are still aging every day. We will in the end receive a new body as Christ did when he rose and, and, and uh, was ascending on high into heaven until he returns again. We will receive the same type of body that Christ has, a body that will never get sick again and a body that will never die. Only those in Christ will have that. Everyone else will perish and be in the lake of fire and brimstone. 
I mean, I hate to remind some, but that's just Bible truth. So the decisive phrase in verse 12 is through your faith. Paul was not uh, telling people that he believed that the physical act of being put under the water changed the person in any more than physical circumcision did. Okay. So what is important is our trust in God, our faith. Cause remember we are saved by grace through faith and that is not of works. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And I'm paraphrasing through here. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's in Galatians. Now, what is even more important is what God does for the believer. God makes him or her alive with him, alive with Christ. Now, Paul uses two metaphors to express the heart of what Christ did for believers. When he talked about the handwriting of ordinances being removed and nailing the accusations to the cross, these two metaphors present Paul's doctrinal conclusions regarding the law and the work of Christ. God forgave, he canceled the, uh, the condemnatory aspects of the law and paid the accusations in full. Okay. In full Christ paid it all for us. Those in Christ will never perish because he paid it all. Everything we have done and the Jews who, um, turned their backs on the living God and, and stopped following the laws of Moses and see, they had people that entered the church in Colossae, just like the church in Galatians and the Ephesians that were trying to get them to turn back to the laws of Moses were not getting them to turn back because pagans never uh, were under the laws of Moses anyway, but they were introducing the laws of Moses telling them, okay, yeah, you can believe in Christ. Yeah, he was Christ, but you have to keep the laws of Moses as well. That's not true. That's not true. We are reading it now and telling you, we don't have to follow no 10 commandments. We do not have to keep any laws of, of Moses because here's the thing. The Jews never were able to keep them. If the laws of Moses could save, we didn't need Christ to come. We didn't need God to put on flesh and come down here and save us himself or the entire universe would have been destroyed. Here's the thing. If the laws could save, why did we need Christ? And nowhere in the Bible, in the Old Testament or the New Testament, was anyone ever saved under the law? No one, because they sinned every day, every day. And the priest, if you can remember, I don't want to digress too much, had to offer animal sacrifices every year for the sins of the people. First for his sins. Yeah, the priest, they were sinners too. First for his sins and then the sins of the people. Now, my thing is, if they were able to keep the law, why did they have to offer animal uh, sacrifices? Uh, yeah, tell me that. Why did they have to offer animal sacrifices? Because they sinned. That's why. So Christ kept the fullness of the law, all 613 of them. No one else was able to do that. No one else is able to do that today. You can't even name any, any of them beyond 10. So how can you keep the laws of Moses and you don't even know the 10 commandments? I just thought I'd throw that out there. So I want y'all to understand that this refers to the uh, indictment hung over the prisoners, over the prisoner's head when, when Christ was crucified. You know, by, by this action, the criminal's debt to society was canceled since he paid for the crime. Christ paid for the crime and the criminal's debt was paid. If you, if, uh, metaphorically speaking, if, uh, we want to talk about, 
what they did. When you go to prison and serve your time, you serve your time and your debt was paid. But you see, we all were sinners. We were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. And Christ paid our debt because we can't pay it. We've been sinning since day one. Yes. Uh-huh. As soon as we were able to walk and talk and mama say, stop, don't do that. And we did it anyway. We were sinning since day one. Okay. Now, the central error of false teachers was their failure to recognize the, the completeness of Christ to meet the needs of the believers. Now, Paul's argument, he countered his, his, his opponents at every point. See, you can't touch nobody who know the word of God. And let me take it a step further. You can't touch someone who know Christ. If you know Christ and you know, you know, you know, you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit has revealed revelation to you. Can't nobody come to you with no false teaching and the devil's people. When they know, you know, the word, just like he fleed Christ when he was tempting him in the wilderness, he will flee you. Doesn't matter who the person is. They can come to you with that false doctrine. See, they know not to come to me. Before you know it, I have them accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, now, no one should follow these false teachers. That is clear. You should not listen to them. You are not obligated to listen to false teachers. They were defeated. They were disgraced. They were powerless because of the work of Christ. All false teachers was defeated at the cross. Jesus is the sufficient and savoying and only savior that we will ever have and that we will ever see. There is not another savior. And we need to understand that now through verses 16 through 19 in these three verses, Paul focuses his attention on the implication of his teaching for Christian living. He discusses the Colossians uh, relationship to the law in verses 16 and 17 and to the supernatural powers in eight in verses 18 and 19. The commands of verses 16 and 18 predominate this section. When Paul was talking about sanctification, sanctification is very important. It's linked to salvation. And, and let me say this, let me put it this way. It's linked to the salvation experience. It, it is concerned with the, the moral and spiritual obligations assumed in that experience. Now we are set apart to God in, in our conversion with Christ. Okay. And we live out the, the dedication to God in holiness. Now, when I say we, we are free in Christ, we have liberty in Christ. That doesn't mean we are supposed to live like wild animals, like the world does. Uh-uh. Because if Christ in you, you are a new creation. Yeah. You don't want to do the old things, the old worldly things that you used to do. You don't want to do that. That's why, uh, remember when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, cause Gnosticism had entered that church as well. Paul talked about, um, you need to test yourself to see if you really are of the faith because some of the things they were doing, if the spirit of God was in you, which is that seal, the Holy spirit, the conviction in your heart would be so strong. You wouldn't do it. I know when I am getting ready to do something that's contrary to, to the word of God or contrary to his will, I feel real bad. It'd be that tugging in my heart. So I won't do it. And if I choose to do it, remember, that's my choice. That's not God saying it's okay for you to do it. He'll never say it's okay for you to do something wrong. If we choose to do it, we are choosing to do it uh, contrary to God's will. And that 
we may have consequences for doing it. I'm talking about earthly consequences, but if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now in verses 16 and 17, when Paul was addressing the asceticism, now when he said, do not let anyone judge you, the nature of asceticism was related to matters of the law because legalism had entered the church too. These are uh, uh, Judaizers those who were following the laws of Moses. However, Paul also sees a need to address the attitude of some of the members of the Colossian congregation as they were critical and demanding. Now, the problem was that the heresy gave great importance to dietary laws. Certain foods and, and, and drinks were forbidden. Now, the heresy also placed great emphasis on holy days, the Sabbath days. And for those of you who don't know, it wasn't just one Sabbath that the uh, Jewish uh, Judaizers, the Israelites followed in the laws of Moses. They had several Sabbath days, uh huh. but the main one was going to church on a Saturday. Paul said all that, all that handwriting on the wall is, 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 is it was nailed to the cross with Christ. You don't have to follow the, those Sabbath days. You don't have to follow any festivals, but here, here's the thing. Paul maintains that the reality of the Christian life is not determined by holding to dietary laws or, or observing any holy days. Now, the person who has Christ does not need to worry about keeping those laws. Okay. We need to understand that because we are free in Christ. We are to walk in the fruit of the spirit. If you walk in the fruit of the spirit, you got to remember there is no law against the fruit of the spirit. You walk in holy if you walk in, in the fruit of the spirit. Now concerning angel worship in verses 18 and 19, Paul tells them, he said, do not let anyone uh, who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you or cheat you for, from your reward. We're talking about, Paul was talking about false humility may have expressed itself as, as, as severe and uh, ascetical practices and self-mortification and the worshiping of angels. Now these practices have the paradoxical effect of increasing a person's pride. See, they had a lot of pride in the Corinthian church because of these false teachings, because remember the letter that Paul wrote to uh, the church in Corinth when this man in chapter five, beginning at first one was, was dating his father's wife. So that was his mother-in-law, not, not his mother-in-law. That was his stepmother. I'm sorry. And those people were puffed up about it. And Paul, you know, had to ask him, ask them, are you really of the faith? No, if Christ is in you, how are you dating your father's uh, wife? Y'all have to put him. I'm sorry, uh, saints, I just hit the mic. I'm sorry. Y'all have to put this person at, and I am adjusting the mic. I'm sure you can hear it. Uh, but y'all have to put this person out of the congregation. And I don't see that being done today. We have fornicators adulterers, idolaters, even non-believers showing up in, in the body of Christ today in the church congregation thinking because they showed up that they are right with God. Uh, Bible truth need to be shared. If you're not born again, if you are not in Christ, God is not even acknowledging you. He doesn't even see you if you show up at the congregation. He only acknowledges his 
and his that are in Christ Jesus, those who are born again. And that's just Bible truth. And this is what is not being shared today, which is why so many people are not saved. My goal and my quest is to lead people to the, to the risen Christ, to the only savior and get them saved. It's a wonderful life being in Christ. I can tell you this, you are stress-free. I have gone through so much since, uh, March of, uh, 2021 un until now. And I'm still at peace, still at peace. Check my pressure every day. My pressure not high at all. And, and if you knew exactly what I, what I have gone through, let me tell you, it's only by the grace of God that I'm still here. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding that I receive every day because I seek it. Now, am I perfect? Oh, absolutely not. But I know how to go to God in, in, in time of trouble and say, God, please don't let me say this. Don't let me do this. I need you. You said you will be there for me. You will never leave me or forsake me. Don't let me say this because I know the ramifications. And then that peace comes over me and I won't say it. Lord, don't let me do this because I still be wanting to punch people in the mouth. Uh-huh. Yes, because I'm human, but I don't do it. I don't do it because that's not God's will for me to retaliate against someone by punching them in the mouth. I'll never do that. But I am not telling you that it hasn't crossed my mind. And then I repent of it. You have That's why we have to repent every day. You know, if you confess your sins, Lord, I know my thoughts was outside of your will. I know I should not have been thinking those thoughts. Please forgive me. You are forgiven automatically because the apostle John says that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, these false teachers in the church at Colossae, which were the Judaizers, they were also um, the uh, Gnostics who were teaching Gnosticism. And they were the uh, legalism was introduced into the church trying to make them be circumcised. No, Paul says you are circumcised with Christ. When you were buried with Christ in, in water baptism and, and when you were born again of the spirit, once you accepted Christ into your heart and that makes you born again, not water baptism, accepting Christ in your heart. That Holy Spirit, that seal that is planted in your heart is what makes you born again. That's your circumcision. That's your circumcision. You don't have to be physically circumcised today. That's what Paul was trying to explain. And like I was saying before I, uh, I digressed a second, these practices, excuse me, have the paradoxical effect of increasing a person's pride. Yeah, they had pride in the Corinthian church and the church at Colossae was, was these Gnostics were trying to build up pride to do against what God wanted them to do. We need to understand, you have to remember, Gnostics believed that everything that God, Jehovah, said that we shouldn't do, we should do. They believe that what we should not do is the key to getting to God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, this is the core of human sinfulness. That's what it is. Now, when we talk, uh, we're going to close this out with uh, verses uh, 20 through uh, 23 and close out chapter 2. Now, we're talking about the doctrine of salvation. Now, Paul discusses doctrines of, of Christian growth with 
two specific reference points that were the foundation of the false teaching. Asceticism, which was they were trying to make these people keep the law and angel worship. Christians should realize that they need only Christ. They don't need anything else. They only need Christ. We are complete in Christ. Now, whatever one experiences, the objective test of trust must prevail. Christ, not experiences, determine spiritual reality. And I think I need to say that again. I think that's going to hit home with some of you. Christ, the Messiah, not our experiences determines spiritual reality. Now, Paul looks back to the time of the Colossians conversion. Now, which he calls their death with Christ, which freed them from the ruling principles of the universe, Christian growth and, 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 and freedom. You know, it consists in understanding and living out the consequences of this truth. Now in verses 20 through 21, the false teachers brought with them definite ideas about religious life. They had an organized system that forbade certain practices. Paul defines these practices and, and reveals their character as enslaving and legalistic. Now reasons that Paul talks about reasons we should not submit to these false teachers in, in the last two verses, verses 22 and 23. Paul provides two reasons not to submit to false teachers. The first reason is the nature of the believer's conversion. Christ's death had already delivered uh, these believers from the, the basic principles of the world. The second, the second reason is that these types of practices are superficial and, and fail to address the sinful self which Christ desires to transform into his own likeness. Only Christ can accomplish that, not us. That's why we needed a savior. We can't save ourselves. For those of you who are out there right now because of all the all of these different religions and 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 denominations that Satan created and and y'all are confused because y'all allowed Satan to confuse you. And, and so you think that, well, you know what? I'm establish my own righteousness. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to establish my own righteousness and, and, and I'm going to just, you know, just develop a relationship with, with God directly to God and, and the universe. I'm going to put things out there in the universe and let the universe bring it back to me. If I put positive stuff out there in the universe, I'm here to tell you all of that is paganistic and demonic. That's what that is. You have allowed Satan to confuse you because if these scriptures are rightly divided to you so that you can have a clear understanding of who Christ is and why he came, you're not going to seek anything else. Uh-uh. You can't be deceived. Not at all. So therefore, Paul is saying trust in Christ is not only the first step in salvation, but the basis of every other step. Paul defends the faith against the practical threats of false teachers. The false teachers held to an organized system that forbade certain practices. I'm reminding you of this now, saints. Paul explains that these systems have no value in sanctification. You can't be sanctified by following organized religion. Christ is not organized religion. Christ came to, to release you and free you from organized religion that has you held captive, kidnapped you. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what organized religion does. There's freedom in Christ.
Oh, yes, because God know we're not perfect and following organized religion can't make you perfect. Who, where, who, who is going to forgive you of your sins? Because only those who believe what Christ did on that cross, those who not only believe, but accepts it are those who are forgiven of their sins. That's it. They are the only ones who are forgiven of their sins. Now I want to mention this before we close. I want you to think about what specific points and truths did Paul use to counter the false teaching? I want you to think about that. What are the implications of Paul's teaching in Colossians for the church's contemporary response to, to these philosophies and, and, and the new age movement? I want you to think about that. And uh, saints, we are going to pick up next week and cover chapter three. And then close out the following week with chapter four. And I hope to God, and I just bumped the mic again. Saints, I am so sorry. What I need to do is move back. Uh, but we are going to close out this epistle that Paul wrote to the Colossians. And I hope to God that you are learning something from this. And uh, the main thing is knowing who Christ is. We are complete in him. And that we don't follow the laws of Moses. All of that is tied into legalism which the Judaizers were trying to, to uh, implement in the church at Colossae. And Paul hurry up and wrote that letter telling them, mm -mm, you are complete in Christ. You don't need to do anything else. Now, with that said, however, we can eat anything we want to eat, but not everything is good for our physical body. That's fine. What Paul is saying is eating food, uh, thinking that it's going to reconcile you to God or because you eat in certain, uh, because you eat certain foods is going to reconcile you to God. That, that, that's not going to happen because food, everything that we eat, it perishes. It goes through our digestive system and comes out of our rectum. Yes, it does. And what we drink, we urinate out. So how can this reconcile you to God? And it perishes. Now, if you think about that, Think about it, it perishes. So how can it reconcile you to God? They'll think like, let me tell you, pork tastes so good to me, but I can't eat it because it makes me dizzy. So I, I, I prefer not to be dizzy. So I don't eat it. No, I do not eat it. And so what Paul is saying is none of this has anything to do with anything. Now, the Israelites back in the day under the laws of Moses were put under a dietary law, because they were just completely out of control. And Jesus poses something to give to them, something that was solid to live by. Because they were so into physical things. God say, look, give them these, these laws for them to live by. I know they can't keep them, so I'm going to put something in place. Animal sacrifices. Okay, to atone for their sins temporarily just for a year. Uh-huh, but look. You cannot be saved and unsaved under Christ. Once you are saved, you are always saved. The question is, are you saved? Are you really saved? You see people living out there, living like wild animals, and then next thing you know, Jesus coming out of their mouths. And you see them the first ones in the church on Sundays or whenever they have service. And then people are turning away from Christ. People who don't have, they don't know God at all and just looking for a savior. And they see Christians acting like that. Those phony Christians are going to pay. 
Oh yeah, because Jesus said if the blind lead the blind, they both would fall into a ditch. We have people. And what is going to happen to those who put a stumbling block in the brothers and sisters way? You have people turning away from Christ. I heard on a blog today, on a podcast, a young man was saying about uh, Christians are the most critical. We are not told to judge the world. We Now, we are told those who are living holy and uh, who are seasoned Christians, you can judge a sister or brother who's out there cutting up. Because the Bible says those of you who are spiritual should restore that one when they stumble. Uh-huh. In the spirit of meekness. Yeah, restore that one. Bring them back, you know, to the fold. But that person is not unsaved because you cannot be saved and then unsaved. You're either saved once and for all, or you were never saved. And it's a beautiful thing to be saved. It's a beautiful thing to be washed in the blood of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is my prayer for you, saints, as I leave you today, is that those of you who are struggling with something, those of you who have anxiety real bad, that you receive that peace. You have to receive it. It's not just going to fall on you. Receive the peace from God that surpasses all understanding. It's available to you. All you have to do is accept it because I don't let nothing worry me. Mm -mm. This too shall pass. And that is how I live. This too shall pass. We are in an imperfect world. Uh, we are in a world where you are going to have trials and tri tribulations, but I am a person who who the person who lives in me has overcome this world. So I don't worry about trials and trials and tribulations because I know the end result is that I have the victory in Christ. So saints, I will see you next week. Peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamla D. That is at dollar sign capital D lowercase r capital C, lowercase A-M-A-L-E, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.